This show is supported by State Farm. You have insurance for your home, your health, and your car. Why don't you have insurance for your small business? So many small business owners think they don't need or don't even know about small business insurance. Protecting a source of revenue is one thing, but so is protecting all of your hard work and your team members. State Farm agents are all small business owners too, so they know how to help small business owners choose personalized policies that fit their budgets. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hi there, Darkness Prevails here, the host of Tales from the Break Room. I just want to say thank you all so much for tuning in and listening to this new show. And I want to give an extra big thanks to everyone who has taken the time to follow, rate, and share the show with friends and family. We're already on our fifth episode, and I can't wait to bring you more work-related terror. Remember, if you have a very scary work story, you can send it to us at eeriecast.com submit, and we may feature it on the show. Hi, welcome to Dead and Roasted. What can I get you? Oh man, I really needed this break. A busload of students just unloaded into the cafe and ordered all the hairy cookies we had in stock. I'm exhausted, and I'm reminded of my time back in school. To this very day, I've got some kind of lesser PTSD in the form of nightmares about being 20 years late for class. Ooh, makes me shudder. Today's story might make you shudder too. Because, sure, sometimes the teachers we have at school can be stressful or even cruel, but other times it's not the teachers you need to worry about. It's the students, or perhaps one student in particular. Kick back, my friend, and let's make the most of this break before I have to clock back in and find more hair to restock those cookies. This is a tale from the break room. One of my students started stalking me. From Miss C. I want to begin by saying I've been a high school science teacher for only about three years now, and with graduating from high school and college early, I'm a bit closer in age to my students right now than most of the teachers at the school I work with. On one hand, this is a blessing. They're more willing to open up to me about problems. They don't fill nearly the same social gap due to the age difference, and I'm able to give them life advice that isn't just spouting impossibilities to them with how the economy is currently. But on the other hand, it can be difficult to get them to take me seriously. And while most of the class periods I teach have and do take me seriously, over the years I've been teaching, there's always one or two periods that are an uphill battle. Usually male, and sometimes even female students, make inappropriate comments about me, some of them never taking warning seriously. And the worst, oh the absolute worst, is when they think they can convince me to hang out with them outside of school. And no, I don't mean after school while I'm grading papers and running a study hall. I've had students request me to hang out with them outside of school. That's just too weird and inappropriate to hang out with a student. The only other quote-unquote disrespectful thing they do is call me by my first name. But I've personally never had too much of a problem with that. However, I do ask that they refer to me as Miss C, not my actual name. All in all, I do love my job, and I still do most days. However, this year has been hard since winter break finished up. To back up a bit, during the winter break, I had the all-too-awkward situation of running into one of my students at the mall. 
for privacy's sake, I'll call him Daniel. I noticed him before he noticed me, and I prayed we weren't going to the same store. The last thing I needed was him trying to strike up a conversation like we were friends. A simple wave would have been fine, or even a, hi, Missy. But judging by how little he respected me in class, something told me it wasn't going to go down like that. That, and I also didn't need my students finding out I frequented Hot Topic and Spencer's. But still, I had gone to the mall for a reason, and I was going to do my shopping and not simply leave over something so small. I made my way over to Hot Topic, beginning to browse around, looking for the items and clothes I wanted to buy. It was while getting assistance with a shirt they had in the back that Daniel came into the shop. I tried my best to not be noticeable, tucking myself into a corner and keeping myself busy by looking over products I'd already looked at earlier. But as luck would have it, he approached me. Hi, Mrs. C. Daniel always called me Mrs. C. I'd reminded him tons of times I wasn't married, but he never seemed to listen or care. Oh, uh, hi, Daniel. I said as I turned around. How was your Christmas? He asked. It was good. I tried to sound polite. That's good. So what you shopping for? Oh, just returning some stuff and getting other stuff. I lied. Oh, so like Boxing Day? I guess, kinda, yeah. Around then, the person working retail brought me the shirt I wanted and walked over to the register with me. Well, nice seeing you, Daniel. See you at the start of the semester. After that awkward encounter, I then made a beeline for Spencer's so I could finish up my shopping and just get back home. I grabbed the stuff I needed for my New Year's party. Most of it was highly inappropriate. That's just the kind of sense of humor my friends and I have. Sure enough, as the cashier was bagging everything, Daniel was there again. Oh, hi again, Mrs. C, he said cheerfully. Oh, hey again, Daniel, I said, doing my best to block from view what was in my bags. Funny to bump into you again. He shrugged in response. Uh, anyway, I'll see you around, Mrs. C. I sighed in relief. He seemed to have been as embarrassed as I was to bump into him again. But at the time, I didn't think too much into it. And for a bit, everything was calm. It was during my New Year's party, however, another odd occurrence happened. My friends and I were drinking, dancing, and singing karaoke. It was around midnight at that point, but the countdown hadn't started yet. My sister was prepping the fireworks we had bought, mostly just the less dangerous stuff, but stuff that's still fun to watch. Suddenly, a bright flame goes off in the yard. Most of us spin around to look at my sister afraid something had gone wrong but she was just as confused as we were. Then she suddenly burst out laughing and pointed at me. Embarrassingly enough, turns out part of my dress had flipped up while I was dancing. I quickly covered myself back up and tried to laugh it off with everyone else. Once the laughing died down, we did try to figure out what that bright light was. If it wasn't a flame or a firework like I'd previously thought, then what was it? All the fireworks were still unlit after all. Nothing had malfunctioned. My sister said it actually looked more like someone had taken a picture, but no one claimed to have done it after asking around. We chalked it up to someone else launching their fireworks early, though we weren't sure why we didn't hear the explosion afterwards, to which my best friend guessed it might have just been a dud. None of that really added up. 
Now, these events wouldn't have been a real issue before I got back to school. However, in the new light I see them in, they make me very uncomfortable. Back at school, Daniel began asking for extra help in class, claiming he was struggling, which was odd. For as disrespectful as he could be in class, he was a straight-A student in the first semester, but in the first week he had failed a quiz and hadn't turned anything in. At first, I was only annoyed and a bit disappointed, but once he began coming by after school every day for study hall, I found it even more odd. I figured maybe he got a crush on me. When I was younger, I remember having plenty of crushes on different teachers when I was in school, so I didn't put much weight into it. But I did try to avoid helping him one-on-one -on -one as much as possible, as I didn't want to confuse the kid in any way. Instead, I got some student aides or teaching assistants to help him to make sure he stayed on track. But still, even with all the help he got, he continued to fail tests. Tests I knew he shouldn't have been failing, so he would continue to come in after class, asking for any help in studying. At the time, I was still just confused, but this would continue to get weirder and worse. Intermission This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. What is horror to you? Monsters? Murder? Mystery? Well, if human monsters are your thing, June's Journey is the game for you, albeit in a more lighthearted tone. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. This show is supported by State Farm. Insurance is a part of any solid financial plan. Making sure you have the important things in life covered is one of the best ways to give yourself a little breathing room when things go awry. It's important to protect not only your business, but yourself as a business owner and all current and future team members. State Farm agents know what it takes to run and protect a small business because State Farm agents are all small business owners and they live and work in your community. So they're deeply attuned to what's happening with other small businesses in your market. If you have a small business and are interested in making sure you're protected, reach out to your local State Farm agent to learn more about what you need. They'll help you find the right policy at the right price for your business. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. End of intermission. The next event happened on Valentine's Day. I'd gotten to work early. No special someone in my life, thank you very much, and found my room covered in paper hearts and Valentine's cards on my desk. I looked around, confused, but still brought all my stuff in. 
I wasn't sure why my class was all decorated like this, as I wasn't a very big Valentine's Day kind of person at all. Maybe the janitors had done it. I went to one of the rooms next to me and checked. The teacher was in there, Mrs. F, we'll call her. She had a normal plain Jane room, though. So they didn't set up hearts all over your room? I asked. She looked up from her papers, confused. Uh, why would they do that? I don't know. I was seeing if they only did it to mine. Does the staff or janitors normally set up decorations? I asked. Mm, no, she said, standing up. Let's have a look. She headed over to my room and I followed her. Once we opened the door, she looked around, stunned. This is gorgeous, but no, I don't think the janitors did this. Unless one of them liked you. Does one of them like you? I thought back to the number of times I'd gotten into arguments with them over how messy some of my class's experiments were. I don't think they even platonically like me, Mrs. F. She frowned and looked around again. Well, do you want help taking it all down? Yeah, kind of, I responded. All right, I'm busy all day with Chapter 22's test, but tomorrow morning I'll be able to. Sound good? I nodded. Yeah, I don't think it'll hurt to be festive today anyway. I was just confused. Mrs. F agreed that it was weird, and I let her get back to grading or whatever it was she was working on. I started to set up everything for class that day when I remembered the card. It had a very well done drawing of me on the front. I gave it a weird look and then opened it, and what was written still creeps me out. It began with my first name and said, I feel we have started to grow closer and I'm truly and utterly in love with you. And I know you're in love with me too. The way you look at me in class, the way you ask me to stay after. I know you ache to tell me how you feel, but aren't allowed to. It's okay. I know what you really mean. I think about you in my most private times, and I know you do too. I see your side glances you give me in class. You know. P.S. I have something to confess. I really enjoyed seeing you on New Year's. I was horrified with what I read. My mind immediately went to Daniel, which I knew may seem unfair, but he was the only regular in my study halls, the only one I had to speak to after class regularly about their grades. I was furious. I took the card over to my shredder and pressed it in and turned it on. For one, it was cathartic, and for two, I was nervous to bring it to the attention of the staff. Even if they did believe me, it still could have hindered my career. I finished setting up for my class and started my day. It went smoothly. However, the whole event caused me to feel nauseous and gross, especially when Daniel's class period came up. It passed by okay, but I felt weird and, well, icky the whole time, like I'd done something wrong when I hadn't. When I dismissed class, I called up everyone who was missing assignments, skipping Daniel. After reading that letter, I started to assume maybe he wasn't turning them in just so he could talk to me. I remember he didn't show up to my study hall that day, and if I'm being honest, it was a huge relief. I know it's my job as a teacher to help all students, but in my head, everything was just lining up. I had even come to the conclusion that the bright flash was Daniel taking a picture of me on New Year's Eve. 
Some of his weirder interactions in study hall that once felt dorky and awkward felt gross now in this new light. He and his friend blushing when I would look at them while scanning the classroom to make sure everyone was working. How I'd often find him behind me while I was going through supply closets or the classroom lap cupboards. Even the way he said my name gave me goosebumps now. Before this, I simply thought I was one of his favorite teachers, but now it felt as if I was still his favorite teacher in the worst possible way. Despite all of that, I didn't understand how he could have even found my house. I'm sure he could have just googled it somehow, but still, it felt wrong and gross to even come to that conclusion. While my students studied, I cleaned up some of the hearts and stuff, placing all of them directly into the shredder. One student, we'll call her Emily, who was always kind and respectful, though a bit behind in class, questioned what I was doing. Missy? I didn't look to respond. I remember just watching the hearts get shredded, and waves of relief watching over me with each one. Yes, Emily? I questioned back. Why are you shredding all the hearts? Didn't you spend hours on those? I shrugged. I'm not a big fan of Valentine's Day. This was for you guys to enjoy. Make school a bit more special, you know? I said, completely avoiding the actual question. Oh, okay. She said and got back to her late work. The next morning, it took me and Mrs. F an hour to clear up everything. Glitter, more paper hearts, streamers. Honestly, seeing how much there was made me sick. When did this person find the time to do this? How would they have gotten in here without me or someone knowing? I remember discussing this with Mrs. F, wondering what I should do. She shared my same sentiments of just trying to ignore it. I never let her know that I thought it was a student instead sticking to the janitor story. But she was still worried if people started saying it was a student. In the past, our school has had a few cases where teachers were less than appropriate with students. The school board was getting jumpy, she said, and I agreed, though I didn't really know as well as her, having been there for such a short time and all. But I usually agreed with most things Mrs. F said. She had taken me under her wing, Heck, she was even the teacher I assisted to get some of my college credits. So, you ever seen anything like this? I asked. Not unless another teacher did it, no, she replied. I remember there was a pause. It felt like forever. Most of my time at school was feeling that way now. Unsafe. Eventually, Mrs. F began again. If you want, I can walk you to your car after study hall. You seem a bit anxious about all this. Thanks. Yes, I, I am. I sat on the brink of tears. It'll be okay, sweetie. She hugged me as I cried. You gonna be okay to teach today? I nodded. Since then, Mrs. F has walked me to my car after work, and in all of this, she was a good friend supporting me. The next few days after that were horrible, if I remember correctly. At least during Daniel's period. He was loud, disruptive, disrespectful, but I just took the abuse, and at the end of every class I made sure to simply let him leave. This behavior had confirmed it in my mind that it was him, so I was fine with letting his grade drop to a D. It was his fault to begin with. It was either that weekend or the next that some strange occurrences happened at home. Both weekends I felt a very strong feeling of being watched, and on one of these occasions, I wish I could remember which, I kept hearing tapping at my windows, 
and rustling in the bushes outside my house. Every time I went to investigate, I didn't go farther than my small porch. Really just a small slab of concrete, but I don't know what else to call it. Eventually, I gave up looking, though, and just dealt with those noises. That was the only weekend where it happened both days. But since then, and sometimes on the Fridays after school too, I'll hear those noises again. It drove me crazy. But again, I don't know what I could do. Even if I did call the police, whoever it was, they would probably flee before they could do anything. The worst of the stuff at home, though, has been the random love letters outside my front door, and sometimes my back door, each making me sick. Here's what some of them said, all of which used my first name. You've started to give me the cold shoulder, but that's okay. I get it. You enjoy playing games. I enjoy them too. Playing hard to get is so hot. Please keep it up. It makes your classes that much better for me. Signed, you know who I am, right? This confirmed that it was definitely a student who was writing these. It actually said a bit more, but it makes me sick even thinking what else that one said. Here's the next one. I loved what you wore for Spirit Week. Those streaks of green face paint make me wonder what you'd look like in body paint. Maybe you can show me sometime. Maybe once you're done playing hard to get. It's still fun for me too, but it's also starting to get old. Maybe we can spice things up in another way. I don't consider myself someone with a weak stomach, but this one did me in. I actually vomited from reading it. It was wrong in so many ways. The next one. I've had enough games. I'll be over tonight. Just leave the door unlocked for me, okay? Just like you promised me. This freaked me out a bit because I hadn't even spoken to this kid in a month, and here he was making up stories about me. It'll be great to see you tonight, even if you don't see me. This one was signed by your favorite student and ended up leading to one of the creepiest nights of my life. The whole time I was afraid of every creak and thud, nervous that this kid was going to pop out of anywhere. I eventually passed out on my couch, clutching my baseball bat my dad had given me. Not sure if I would have been able to use it. Daniel was still a kid, only 16. But I don't know. I don't know if I even could have. I don't think I have it in me to actively harm this kid. Well, at least then. Now, maybe, but still, I don't know. Intermission End of intermission It took me a bit, but eventually I worked up the courage to take these letters to Mrs. F. She was immediately concerned, but still the same as me, not knowing what to do. She knew if I reported it to the police, they would be involved and they would get him away from me, sure, but we both knew all it would take was a single rumor and I'd never get to work in this school district again. I figured it might stop, and I didn't want to lose my job, let alone become blacklisted, possibly in the whole city, or worse, the entire state, over being a victim. I distinctly remember that it was that same day I had to cancel study hall, so that I could go shopping for some important items I needed. Most of the students, especially the ones who originally had mandatory study hall, were excited about this, However, a few others seemed displeased. At the end of the school day, I locked up my room early, 
However, I noticed a line notebook sitting on the floor next to one of the desks. If study hall had been in session, I would have easily missed it, what with backpacks and notes being a mess everywhere usually. I walked over to my classroom's lost and found basket when a picture fell from the notebook. A Polaroid. It was a picture of me, of the wardrobe malfunction at the New Year's Eve party. I crumpled it and shoved it into my pocket, flipping open the notebook. Sure enough, at the top of the pages for in-class work was Daniel's heading. I stormed out, throwing the notebook at the lost and found basket, and left. I double-checked the locks. I had been right. I knew all along, but I definitely knew now. I raced to the store, and sure enough, a few minutes in, there he was. I have no clue how he found the location I was going to but I felt sick. Hi, Mrs. C, he said in a cheerful voice. I ignored him, though, walking past and slipping AirPods in once I was out of sight. If he saw me again, I'd have an alibi to ignore him. That was apparently a mistake. Every time after that that I went grocery shopping, he would be there. No matter the time of day, no matter the day of the week, he seemed to always be there if I was. Even when I went to different locations or different stores, I tried to keep an eye out for his car or at least a car that may have been following me whenever I'd leave, but whether from home or work, I never did figure out how he was doing it. Eventually, I just stopped going, asking my sister to pick up groceries for me. The creepy noises outside my house, especially the tapping on the windows, only got worse and worse at that point. But of course, it couldn't end there. No because I found messages in Sharpie written on the windows too, calling me sweetie and lover, telling me what he wants to do to me, how I make him feel, crude drawings of me. It all makes me very sick. But still, after all of this, I was too terrified to tell the school what was happening. How could I? Teachers have been blacklisted and fired for students talking too positively about them in my state. I couldn't imagine what they'd call me and claimed I did or what he'd claim I did to him if it did go to court. And come time for prom, what happened every year happened this year too. Multiple students every year so far without fail try to ask me to prom. Usually, it's the popular kids, the football stars or cheerleaders who think everyone in the world has the hots for them. I would usually laugh, tease them a bit about it, then tell them that whoever they find to go with will be lucky. I don't want to shut them down horribly. They're just kids, after all. But this year, besides the ones I'd come to expect, of course, Daniel asked me too. He had brought balloons and a bouquet of flowers. At first, I thought it was his birthday, but no, they were presents for me. I faked being happy to get them, and I did my whole let-them-down-gently thing as I usually did. But the look in his eye told me everything. Instead of embarrassed or disappointed, he looked mad. He was holding it back, but I could tell. I made him take the balloons and everything with him and told him to find a nice girl his age to ask. I remember him protesting that I wasn't much older than him, to which I shot back that I still wouldn't go to prom with a student, as that was just wrong. The class laughed at that, which probably added fuel to the fire. I admit I didn't handle the situation as best I could, but it did feel good to have some sort of revenge, even if to my class it just made me a savage and a girl boss for the next few weeks. 
One horrible night also sticks out while I'm writing this. It was a Saturday night. I'm practically completely out of teacher mode by then and was scrolling through Snapchat, sending pictures to friends and seeing what exciting lives they had while I was just a high school teacher. Most of them were still in college, so most of the pictures were of wild parties and stacks of homework. But that's when I got a text from a hidden number. Someone was sending me dozens of pictures, maybe hundreds. I didn't look through all of them, only glancing at the ones that caught my eye in the most horrific ways. Mostly pictures of my house. But there were also pictures of me through the window, at the pool with friends, one of me showering in the gym. I scrolled in horror, my heart racing, and I felt that all-too-familiar feeling of being watched. I looked around at all these slits the curtains didn't cover. It felt like the room was spinning, that I was being watched from every corner. I felt dizzy, top-heavy. I dropped my phone and the screen cracked all over, but I didn't notice that till morning. Every window was looking at me, watching me, my every move, and even though I knew he couldn't be at every window at once, I couldn't help but feel like I was an animal at a zoo. Then I wanted to sleep. I was suddenly very tired, and my stomach hurt, like it did that time I read one of his love letters. I couldn't bring myself to sleep in my room, as it too had a window. So I ran while Moore stumbled into the bathroom, with the pillow in my hand, and I slammed it shut. I cried myself to sleep that night on the cold tile floor, wrapped in towels, my head upon an uncomfortable couch pillow. I remember the dream or nightmare I had. A vivid one of Daniel finding a way in, trying to bust down my bathroom door, him holding a hammer, calling me terrible things, and threatening me with even worse things. One of the worst dreams I've had in my entire life, and I'm not ashamed to admit how scared I was to open the bathroom door after that dream come morning. I also remember finding my phone on the floor. That unknown number had sent dozens of inappropriate pictures of themselves. I deleted all of them, every picture of me and them. No more texts ever came from it. But it felt as if I was being taunted, that he was telling me how easy it was for him to watch me and to get me in vulnerable positions. I didn't leave the house except to go to work after this. It wasn't just no more trips to the grocery store. It was now no more leaving the house or my classroom. I was worried this would never end, until I had a brilliant idea. And while this wouldn't solve my current situation, it would hopefully get him out of my hair forever. Instead of barely passing him and giving him a D, instead I looked through his grades overall. Straight A's all four years, so I recently bumped him up to an A. I knew from when the faculty asked us to discuss universities that he wanted to go abroad or to some fancy school. I don't remember exactly which, but it was definitely out of state. Making sure he had a 4.0 would get him away from me. And, sure enough, since I was technically his home room, I was able to hand out acceptance letters to students for college, and when I placed a stack on Daniel's desk, I couldn't help but feel happy. Not for him, but for myself. That maybe this nightmare would finally be over soon. So for now, I just have to wait a little bit longer at the time of writing this. He's been bragging all about the college he's going to. Though the creepy stuff hasn't stopped, I know it will once he's gone. 
Once he states away, I'll be free to enjoy being a teacher again. After summer, of course. As a teacher, I want to try to find a lesson in all of this. But I can't. I've become a bit more strict because of it, as it gave me more stability to my life in a time when I desperately needed it. But I still didn't do anything to cause this. All I can say is that horrible people are out there, and sometimes you can't tell who they are until it's too late. If you're a teacher or someone residing over kids, don't be fooled. Even teenagers can hide certain evils. Always be on your guard, because the moment your guard is down, predators strike. Even those that have not fully matured are capable of terrible things. Oh boy, time to clock back in. Well, it's been fun chatting with you. I'll see you again real soon with more Tales from the Break Room. Tales from the Break Room is a viewer-submitted podcast featuring allegedly true scary stories that happened on the way to, on the way from, or at work. If you want your story to be narrated on the show, send it to us at eeriecast.com submit. As of April 14th, we're paying three cents per word for stories that are approved and make it onto the show. Submission does not guarantee approval or payment. For a limited time only, PayPal only. Tales from the Break Room is an EerieCast Network original podcast hosted by Darkness Prevails. You can follow him on Twitter at Dark Prevails, and you can hear thousands more stories read by him on our other show, Unexplained Encounters. If you enjoyed this episode, please follow and rate Tales from the Break Room on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You can also enjoy plenty more horror-themed podcasts at EerieCast.com. Thanks to State Farm for supporting this show and helping our listeners protect their businesses and lives. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today.